0: Let the torch of freedom
1: burn Welcome to the Intersection of Faith and the Culture It's Wall Builders and we appreciate you joining us We're taking on the hot topics of the day From a biblical, historical, and constitutional perspective, I'm Rick Green here with David Barton and Tim Barton. Tim Barton, national speaker and pastor. He's president of Wall Builders. David Barton, of course, America's premier historian and our founder at Wall Builders. And I'm a former Texas legislator and America's constitution coach. Check out our website to learn more, wallbuilders.com. That's wallbuilders.com. You can also get archives of the program over at wallbuilderslive.com. All right, David and Tip, we got our buddy Chad Rubbish will be with us a little later in the program. We're going to be talking about military readiness, and 77% of Americans aged 17 to 24 are not fit for service. Um, I'm a little bit older than that and definitely not fit for service. So I'm going to be the hypocrite today saying we need to do better on this
2: while I am not yet doing better on this. Anyway, this is an important topic, guys. This this is the consistent pattern of uh, adults being able to uh, criticize the rising generation. <laughs> and you know, those millennials, those snowflakes, those, those Gen snowflakes. Xers, they're rock and roll. Really uh, but but it, I, I will
1: say at 17 and 24, I would have been fit for service, but. Yeah, that's, that's the old <laughs> days.
2: Back when I was a kid, yeah. <laughs> but but genuinely, th- this is a major problem, it, and it's reflective of a, a culture we live in. Uh, it's one of the things that, that I remember growing up in the 80s and 90s when uh, you, you started having some of these Nintendos or Super Nintendos and Sega Genesis and then 64, and the conversation even then was, if we become a video game culture, will that keep kids from getting outside and being active? And, and then there were conversations in the 90s and early 2000s, even today, when you have so many kids that live on video games, and they play football, and they'll go to their uh, kind of their their fall. Uh, two days and sometimes three a days, depending on where they go. And these kids haven't been outside all summer and they they're having heat exhaustion and heat stroke and, and dehydration and all these issues because they're so used to being inside. And of course, now with social media and YouTube and TikTok and all these things that are out there, we, we are such an inactive society. And, and there are lots of negative consequences that come from being inactive. But certainly if we're talking about a nation and any level of military readiness we know right now under the Biden administration that military recruiting is at an all-time low which actually does make sense why would why would people want to sign up to serve under a president who doesn't like America who wants America to be behind other nations and what we saw with the Afghanistan uh withdrawal this the debacle that happened that there's a lot of reasons that makes sense why people would not want to sign up in general but then when you look at the fact that only 23% 23% of Americans in the age range are even potentially fit to go try out there's just major issues when it comes to implications with national security in this nation
0: I'm gonna suggest that that the lack of fitness is actually a spiritual problem as much as anything else uh, one of the things that we were taught from from school up was that we're a tripartite being we're three parts we're body soul spirit and we have to take care of all of those and so even as as I looked when I was younger at body, um, I was there were two verses that really jumped out at me, one is in First Corinthians, one is in 2 Corinthians, but both say that my body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. I want him to have a nice place to live. I want it being in as good a shape as it can be. I don't want a dilapidated building that's falling down, that, that's not a, a nice place to live, any more than I would want to move into a slum neighborhood if I had a choice. And, and so I wanted to give him a nice place to live and I was reminded of, of what Paul said in Timothy that bodily exercise profits a little. It's not everything. You got to have the, so that's why you have to have the body, but you also have the, have the spirit and the soul. All three of those need to be in good shape. And I think as Christians, we have an individual responsibility to be in, in good physical shape. Uh, if I point to the Bible, uh, there's no way you can say Jesus was a wimp. I mean, when he went into the temple and overturned the money changers tables, at that point in time, those guys in the temple didn't think he was the son of God. They didn't think he was divine. They thought he was a cult leader. How come nobody confronted him and beat him up for what he was doing? There could be a lot of reasons, but not the least of which is he was not a small, weak guy. Nor was Paul, nor was Peter, nor were so many of the other apostles. Well, and let
2: me jump in too and add to the fact that there have been studies done uh, depicting what it would be for someone to be beaten like Jesus was beaten, and then be able to carry their own cross and the physical weight of that cross and how far he would have carried it before obviously he collapses, and then you have somebody else come and carry it. Jesus had to have been a physically strong person, and of course, with the background of of the training as somebody that worked with their hands, uh, as somebody that that both uh, we today the Bible reads carpentry, but if you talk to some of the Hebrew scholars, they will tell you that actually that word is closer to like a stonemason, someone that that built with stones. And so whether he was lifting trees and logs or lifting massive rocks, this was a strong dude to your point, as, as so many of the individuals we can point to in the Bible, the heroes of the Bible,
0: by and large, these were pretty masculine men. And if you wanna look at the other side, look at Eli, what happened to him? He was not physically fit. Look at Eglon, what happened to him? There's a lot of examples on both sides in the Bible. And so I think there's a responsibility as Christians that we have to take care of this temple of the Holy Spirit physically, not just spiritually, we're a tripartite being. And growing up as I did, I remember the stuff from President John F. Kennedy on physical fitness. And if you wanna really shock yourself, go back and look at what high schools were doing at that point in time, the American Physical Fitness Program, look at how high school kids look, not just athletes, all high school kids It's a whole different world from what we have now. And so in in seeing this, I was thinking, you know, this is not good for the nation that we don't have 100 percent that we can pull from to see who the best are. We have to start with a pool of only 23 percent and not all of them are going to qualify. You know, not all of them are going to be have the right attitude or the right like or not all of them are even going to love America. But you've only got 23 percent in the fishing hole to begin with. We need a whole lot more than that. So this really is a, a national problem, but I think it's a spiritual problem as well. And and I just encourage everybody to start doing something to, to really get your temple in better shape, whatever your age is. Uh, I refuse to be left behind by all the young guys and not be able to outwork them, whatever I'm doing. And that's just an attitude that I think we all need to develop.
1: Yeah. And, you know, and guys, of course, I'm you know, joking about it uh, earlier and, and in all seriousness, think about what it does for, for our effectiveness. I know when I'm in shape and when I'm eating better and doing those things, I have more energy to last longer, which means I can do more for the kingdom. I, you know, when I'm not in shape, I'm sick more. Whenever, uh, when we don't take care of ourselves, we're down and we're out of the fight and we're not able to uh, be engaged for for what God wants us to do, let alone length of life. And of course, he knows our days and he's the one that has them, them numbered. But if we're not taking care of ourselves, we're not going to be able to do near as much for the kingdom. And our guest today is going to talk about, you know, I would argue that when you serve in the military, you're, you're serving for God and country. You're, you're serving to defend the liberties and of this nation and, and, and be able to share the gospel and for the people of our nation to be able to share the gospel. And so uh, our subject today is about the you know the nation not being uh, the young people in our nation not being ready for military but as you said David and Tim it's for all of us and uh, and 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 very specifically to be able to serve well to be able to do what god's called us to do so chad Robichaux is a great friend of the program he's done a lot with us and and uh, of course Mighty oaks we we highlight a lot his book saving aziz uh, we'll talk a bit a little bit about uh but very specifically you know tim you, you're a big uh bjj guy and do a lot of brazilian jiu-jitsu this guy's uh um, a, a champ man he's been a champ in that arena and also in mma um so many different things that uh, that he's uh, uh been at the top of the game in and so we'll talk a little bit about how to get that mindset as well stay with us folks We'll be right back on wall builders Have you noticed the vacuum of leadership in America? We're looking around for leaders of principle to step up and too often, no one is there. God is raising up a generation of young leaders with a passion for impacting the world around them. They're crying out for the mentorship and leadership training they need. Patriot Academy was created to meet that need. Patriot Academy graduates now serve in state capitals around America, in the halls of Congress, in business, in the film industry, in the pulpit, in every area of the culture. They're leading effectively and impacting the world around them. Patriot Academy is now expanding across the nation, and now's your chance to experience this life-changing week that trains champions to change the world. Visit PatriotAcademy.com for dates and locations. Our core program is still for young leaders 16 to 25 years old, but we also now have a citizen track for adults. So visit the website today to learn more. Help us fill the void of leadership in America. Join us in training champions to change the world at PatriotAcademy.com. Welcome back to Wallbenders. Thanks for staying with us. Always good to have Chad Robichaud with us. Thank you, Chad, for coming on. As always, a lot going on in your life. Mighty Oaks uh, continues to bless so many members of our military. Thanks for what you're doing there. New book, Saving Aziz. And uh, it's just good to have you back on the
3: program, man. No, thanks for having me on. Always always fun to be on with you guys.
1: Well, so much we uh, want to talk to you about, but, uh, but there was an article that definitely caught our attention, and David and Tim immediately said, boy, I wonder what Chad has to say about that. And it's this whole <laughs> thing about... How you can't even hardly find people fit for service to join the military anymore. 77% of Americans, apparently seven, in that age range, 17 to 24, are not fit for service. And that's from the DOD. So this has got to be, you know, not just something to kind of chuckle at. This has got to be becoming a major issue for us and our, our readiness and our ability to defend ourselves as a nation.
3: Yeah, it's, you know, it starts off as a cultural issue, and it, it bleeds into being a national security issue because uh, the result of that is the recruiting is down 28%. And that's the, when you say the recruiting is down 28%, that's after concessions to lower uh, manpower numbers, uh, to, uh, to lower standards when it comes to standards for entry. So we don't even know because they skew the numbers so quickly. We don't even know what the real number of, of recruiting is down. We're getting less we're getting less people in our military, less quality people in our military, and uh, and the recruiters are ha- the recruiters are having to just cut corners to get people in. And uh, and it goes back to, you know, where our culture is headed. If you look back, I I, lo- I love and hate seeing these memes. But you look back in these uh, memes on social media, and they'll show pictures of what PE looked like in the '50s, '60s, '70s. Uh, 80s even. Uh, when you go into PE and in our in our uh, school system, and people are monkey bars climbing, monkey bars doing push ups, doing the fitness tests that we used to have to do when we when we grew up. I'm 47 years old. We had a fitness test to do. When we grew up. There was no walking. Uh, for a half mile around the track. Uh, you actually went out and worked out. And uh, you know, it's we produced a, a lazy culture. And uh, you know, I think part of it's our school systems and the school boards that has Done that, and part of its uh, technology uh, phones. Me and my wife were driving yesterday, and I'm like, I don't see anyone out playing football and baseball outside. And, you know, it's fall. I mean, it's spring. It's like beautiful in Texas right now. Like, people need to be out just plowing people into the grass with a with a Nerf footballer. <laughs> and uh, that's right. None of that anymore. man. Where are these kids? And uh, you know, they're inside.
1: How how much of that, Chad, has been? You know, it's, it's like you said, starts culture bleeds into. The, the the readiness issue in and and the military. But when the when the when the culture got lazy the institution started giving into that instead of saying no, we're not going to lower the standards for you. You're going to have to you're going to have to push against the cultural trend if you want to be a part of us. Whether that's the military or you know uh, you know colleges or our sports programs or whatever it is, but it's like we just got lazy on on every front, including kids' sports, you know, and just made it where everybody gets to play and 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 lowering the standards. So how much of it was lowering the standards as well?
3: well I think a lot of it's lowering the standards, so we, uh... When you lower the standards, you take the pressure off people trying to, you know, if I really want to do this, I have to able to reach, right? if I really want to be a United States Marine, you know, I have to be at a certain level to go into the Marine Corps. The recruiter's not going to be able to cut me any slack or let me in because they need people. Uh, and, you know, I think in our culture, we've cut corners. We had this uh, equality and fairness and participation trophies, and everybody has to, have the opportunity, so let's lower standards instead of bringing people up to the standard. You lower the standards, and uh, that's dangerous. It's dangerous in society. It's dangerous for our young people to say, "I don't have to work uh, to aspire and achieve to something difficult," because at some point they're going to make a concession for me. So this is very dangerous to do to young people because uh, you know that's the formidable years of of having to catch concessions made for you. Now you expect those your whole life, and uh, and you're not willing to. Do the difficult things. I mean, I mean, I've done a lot of difficult things in my life, and the greatest achievements I've had in my life have come on the other side of the most difficult challenges and the most difficult things. And, and when you achieve those things, as hard as they may feel at a the time, there's a lot of value you get out of it. You understand the, what it means to work hard. You understand the reward in working hard, and you understand as you know, hey, it's, I did something special that not everybody could do. I had to work hard for it, and it wasn't just given to me. And it also it creates an opportunity for. It creates opportunity when you have high standards, it creates opportunity for you to fail. And I think in America, we forgot the important, we forgot it and culturally, we forgot the important lessons of failing. You know, I have a, I have got to do a lot of great things in my life, but make no mistake, there was, there was a lot of failure in those. I mean, yeah, when you do something like a sport like Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu that I do, you know, when you do a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu tournament, uh, by the second round seventy five people fail because of single elimination, like kids that wrestle in uh, in elementary school and high school, they go to these tournaments and there 's you know thousand kids there And the first round, five hundred of them fail half of them fail seventy five percent of them fail by the second round Failures a very important part of of growth and progression and, and when you lower standards like this, you know it, it takes away people 's ambition to to uh, to achieve it takes away their lessons from failure and success and uh it's ultimately dangerous and we end up in a situation like this where we have 77 percent of our country uh from 17 to 24 years old cannot even qualify to serve at the most minimal level by the way at the most minimal level to be not special operations guys but but logistics people and cooks and and all the all of the support roles they can 't even do that serve to serve our, to serve in our, our nation that's that 's a national security issue. Wow. You know It turns from a cultural issue to a national security issue. I mean this is a you know a very dangerous place where we 're in uh, now I 'll say on the flip side i 'll say this uh, i 've seen the military over the last thirty years being involved. The standard of uh, entry level has continued to go down and down and down every year uh, but the one place that i 've seen it hold. Hold the standard has been the special operations community, and so uh, I, I, and I'm very I'm proud of that. In fact, I would even say that in the Marine Recon, uh, and it pains me to say it out of my own self pride because I always want to be like I'm the guy that, that went, you know, walked up the snow hill and five miles to make it to school, and it was harder in my day. I think I think the program is probably more difficult today as it was when I went through. Uh, I think these programs have gotten tougher. Uh, the statistics of graduations probably still the same. It's about 80% attrition rate uh, for the special operations community, but I think the programs are better and they produce a more physically fit, smarter, and more capable uh, special operator out of SEALs, recon. Uh, I can't speak for the, the Q course for Green Berets. I know it's still a tough program, but I can't speak to the contrast between where it was and where it is today, but I know for sure Marine Recon, SEALs, uh, PJs, CCT, those are better programs than, uh, more than when we went through. And, uh, the standards have not went down.
1: And that, Chad, really speaks to what you said earlier about when you do have difficulty and you have the freedom to fail and you have to get back up and do it again, You, you not only do you earn more respect for yourself, other people respect you. And so even as, as you know, I mean, Spec Ops guys still have tremendous respect in the culture, and, and, it's, and it's partly because of what you do, but also because of what you just described, that the standards are still high and you do still expect greatness. And I got to say, man, what you were saying about Failure is so important. We've lost that, not just in in athletics and, and, and military and that sort of thing, but in business. And, you know, the freedom to fail is necessary to have the freedom to succeed. And I know, like you were saying, same for me. I learned more in my failures in business or politics than I did in my successes. That's where God refines us and, and allows us to get Ah, uh, better and better, and so teaching that to kids to embrace that and not be afraid of that and run from that and be snowflakes and and you know the, the the whole thing about you know essentially padded playgrounds at this point, uh and that whole mindset is making us less tough, less gritty, less less capable of of winning wars. No, I mean I'm not exaggerating. It literally goes to no, yeah, as a nation not being able to win wars when we get that mindset.
3: Well, I mean, um, and look, I've taken that lesson, and uh, as a someone who mentors military people in my resiliency programs and do at Mighty Oaks, and, uh, and as a father, like as a, a leader in my organization at Mighty Oaks, like when I have the chance to talk to my kids, when I have the chance to talk to my staff members, when I have the chance, I've spoken to half a million active duty troops in the military, it'd be super easy and comfortable for me to stand up in front of them and talk about all my successes, uh, which there's a lot to be learned uh, from our, our sharing about our successes, but there's also a lot to be learned It's very important to teach people about our failures, to so tell them by time that I try really hard and I didn't make it, and I fell on my face, but I had to pick myself up again and rebuild myself and, and continue to drive forward. There's, there's such important lessons in that. And, and uh, oftentimes we don't have the – our pride or ego doesn't want to allow us to talk about those things, but those are the most important lessons to learn. And So when I have the opportunity, you know, speaking to my own children, I don't want them to think – I don't want my children to think that I never failed before. I don't want them to think that I, that I never messed up because then when they do – why would they come talk to me? You know, Dad Dad never messed up before. Why would I go talk to him? He doesn't know what it's like to struggle like that. So it's very important for that. Amen. When I get in front of these troops who I know they're struggling, I know the things they're going through because I've been through them. Yeah, I don't want to stand up there like I had it all figured out. I, I, I never struggled before. I never failed before. That, that's such a dangerous place, position, to mentor from. And so for me, I, I use the opportunities that have to be in front of people to not just talk about the successes, but talk about the failures as well.
1: Chad, as always with you, man, when we we start on one topic, you say things that have such wisdom in application to other areas that I have to go down some rabbit trails. And that's, I mean, what you just described... Is a is also important in in parenthood. Just just being transparent at, when your kids are getting into that 15, 16 year old time frame and, and they're sh- struggling with things. When when parents try to act like we did everything right, we were perfect, and we don't talk, you know, it makes it unapproachable. Just like what you just said. Yeah, I know. I found with my kids by as they got older, you know, there's an appropriate time for those things. That by being what you just described, it allowed our relationship to grow and 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 they were willing to come to me when they had those struggles. That's and right. so I just, I think what you're saying is obviously fits the topic of what we're talking about today, but man, everybody listening today can learn from what you just said.
3: When it, when it comes to fitness, I mean, our military, you know, goes off of these four pillars of resiliency and readiness. That's mind, body, spirit, and social. Uh, our young warriors need to be mentally tough, uh, motivated, educated. They need to be physically tough and ready to do the difficult jobs in the military need to be surrounded by the right people and in the right culture and uh spiritually you need to have a strong spiritual foundation. All four of those are extremely important. And uh, you know, oftentimes in culture we have a definitely a disproportionate balance of those things. And and uh it's not only it's on individual readiness, but uh it really comes down to our national security uh, and it's we're in a dangerous time right now. Uh, these things need to be we need to start at childhood. It's a responsibility of parents, every parent listening needs to, you know, be responsible as a parent to lead their kids in this and as a yeah as a communities, we need to be leading our kids this way too
1: that's where it begins absolutely right right there in our own home hey chad before i let you go man tell us a little bit about the the book that, that you came out with a couple of months ago saving aziz uh i know we we talked to you about him last summer and uh and 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 you know as, as a lot of that was going on but folks can learn that story through the book can you give us a synopsis of it and where they can get the book
3: yeah the, yeah the book is saving aziz it's available everywhere it's uh I think it was when it released January seventeenth, it was number three in sales. It hit a lot of most of our bestseller list, and uh, uh, and we uh, we basically the, the subtitle of the book is, is how the mission to save one turned into calling to rescue thousands. Aziz is my interpreter. We did eight deployments together. He's my friend, uh, and we worked very independently together because of the nature of my special operations job. And he saved my life multiple times. So when the withdrawal happened from Afghanistan, and you know President Biden made this. I won't even call it a mistake because there's no, mis- there no way it was a mistake. The deliberate decision to to withdraw our troops, leave Americans behind, leave our allies behind, remove uh, the global security of Bagram Air Force Base, uh, and leave $85 billion of equipment behind. Uh, there's a lot of things I disagree with, but the one thing I could do something about was to go get my friends. And so I put together a team, a special operations veteran, to go get Aziz, his wife, and his six kids. And that uh, And God just stepped in and did a miracle through our obedience to just— it's a yes to the burden of our hearts to go help, and, uh, and, and not only were we able to rescue Aziz's wife and six kids, but 17,000 people. So the book is a story about uh, the rescue of those 17,000 people, my relationship with Aziz, and all the chronological events that happened during the withdrawal of Afghanistan. And uh, it's been spent five months at the Pentagon getting redacted and reviewed, and uh, and it has you know a lot of great uh, truths in it that the mainstream media did not even – attempt to touch. So I definitely would encourage everyone to get it, not just for me to sell a book, but to know the truth about what happened during the withdrawal of Afghanistan. And you can go anywhere to get it, org or Amazon, Barnes & Noble, anywhere, Books or Soul, you can find it.
1: Powerful, powerful story, brother. Man, we we appreciate you so much. Really appreciate the time today and and, and letting us go a little extra long with you. I appreciate you staying with us and and just keep up the great work and and uh, and let us know how we can serve you. I really want to encourage people to visit Mighty Oaks as well. Make those donations. The the number of people that Chad touches. And and the lives of those who, who put their lives on the line for us, saving those lives through this ministry is vitally, vitally important. So we'll have links both to Mighty Oaks and to Saving Aziz today at our website. Chad, God bless you, brother. Thanks for coming on, man.
3: God bless, man. And I want to say one thing before I get off is thanks to yeah. you know, David Barton, Glenn Beck, everybody at Mercury One, because we would not have been able to do those evacuations if uh, God formed, formed that partnership between us. So uh, you know, thank everyone over there, too. You guys helped make it possible. So God bless you guys.
1: Amen. Amen. Good stuff. That was Chad show. We're back with David and Tim Barton. And uh, guys, a lot of advice there that's not just
2: for the military. It's for all of us. Uh, we even got into parenthood a little bit there. Yeah, there was a lot of great things uh, to, to think about, uh, maybe be challenged with. And, and, you know, guys, as you, Rick, specifically you and, and Chad were mentioning, just kind of the vulnerability at times of parents and letting your kids know that you know, I, I definitely made mistakes because one one reality that every parent should be aware of is your kids know you're not perfect, <laughs> right? That's right. Like There's there's that phase, right? Certainly when kids are younger and they're like, my parents are perfect and my dad's the strongest can beat up anybody. My mom's the best cook and we love her, right? Like there's the phase where definitely kids think their parents are just the best there is. But then certainly the older you get, the more you recognize the humanity of your parents. And, and of course, depending on different parents, I mean, some kids unfortunately are put in situations where they recognize the humanity of their parents much earlier uh, through some unfortunate scenarios, sometimes at some really bad scenarios. Nonetheless, Rick, to your point of being able to to connect and invest in them so significant. Uh, and, and, and Rick, you you alluded to right before the interview, um, kind of Chad's background in uh, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu and uh, his MMA careers, UFC career, where he was a champion. Uh, he's actually the guy we. we have done a lot of firearms training over the years uh, you know Rick obviously with some of the stuff you do with your constitutional defense courses where people can come and they can get some some hands-on first uh, really first level training for individuals who want to know how to operate a handgun be able to defend themselves and their family and I started doing a lot more classes a lot more training in areas and some of the trainings got to where as we were clearing houses we were we were going hand to hand with bad guys in these simulations. And I realized I really don't know what to do. And I actually saw Chad like the next week. And I was like, hey, man, you know, what what should I do? He said, you got to take Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. And I started several years ago and I've fallen in love with it. It's something that I wish I would have started 20 years ago. And I want to highly encourage as over the years, we've encouraged people to be able to defend themselves with firearms, uh, to to learn that skill, learn how to use that tool so you can defend yourself and your family. Also learning some basics of jujitsu and self-defense. There's just so much benefit in it. And you know, Rick, one thing and dad, we've talked about it before. I do see a positive happening a little bit in the culture, even though, So much of the culture is going the wrong direction. We do see a remnant that God's raising up and protecting. And for so many of the rising generation, we are seeing that they are becoming more self-aware and wanting to be able to defend themselves, wanting to learn how to use handguns. And even some, so many people that are now starting to get interested in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. And I will tell you, it's totally worth it. Go and do it. Just like learning anything, it takes a little time and practice. You won't be good at the beginning, but you are not going for a weekend lesson. You're going to learn something ultimately that's, that's more valuable for your life. And this is something that I did because Chad encouraged me, but this is something if we're gonna if we're gonna turn the direction of America, it's something that we've got to start with our families. We can control what's inside our sphere of influence. And that starts with our families. So for parents out there, This is something for your families. Y'all need to be able to know how to operate a firearm. You need to be able to know how to defend yourself. And between the Constitution Defense Courses, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, these are things that we should start learning more and more just as responsible individuals.
1: Yeah, just to emphasize there, uh, Tim, this is not just the guys we're talking to here. It's the ladies, too. We, You know, 55% of the people that go through our Constitutional Defense Shooting Course are women. And, uh, and, and I love seeing young ladies learning to defend themselves with Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu as well. Uh, so everybody out there has something to gain from today's program. Hope you'll share it with your friends and family. We sure appreciate you listening to Wallbusters.